Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Ioka Ehu, and this is Hawaii Real. Real people having real conversations. Today, I have a special guest for you guys. Ever wonder who's in charge behind the scenes of your local news? Get just the person for you today. But first, I want you to click on that subscribe button below. We have several podcasts available to watch right now, and more are coming every week. So stay tuned. And for today's podcast, I'm proud to bring you the news director for Hawaii News Now, Scott Humber. Here we go. Welcome back to Hawaii Real. I am here with Hawaii News Now news director, Scott Humber. Today we're going to talk about fake news, social media, the Patriots. There's no such thing as fake news. No such thing as fake news? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, Scott. So how do you feel about fake news and all the stuff that's going on today with not only just the local news, but national news? It's really big with the national news. It's a big problem with... Sure. uh, I think it's a big um, issue with people, what people's impressions or perceptions are um, with regards to what's real content and what's not real content and stuff like that. How do you guys tackle that? Well, it's 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 an interesting issue, and it's it's something that we've had to deal with probably for the last four years um, since the current occupant of the White House mm-hmm. um, has taken over. That that term "fake news" has come up a lot. Um, you know, it's um, it's something that you know we have to look at on on a, on a regular basis. And and the thing is, what I've come to find out is when viewers don't like a story whatever side they fall on now all of a sudden the term fake news gets put out so i'll see emails a couple times a week that talk about fake news um you know and it's it's hard because we try to balance every story that we do especially on the local level um and i'll combat whatever email i get as far as fake news but really i think i think where it's where it's began and and this is where the difference is there's a there's a major difference between local news and cable news. Mm-hmm. Cable news is not news anymore. Right. Ten years ago, cable news was news. They were they were great at breaking news. They were great at, you know, being on in the big situations and stuff like now. Now cable news, whether it's Fox or MSNBC or CNN, they are opinion shows. That's all they are. They put talking heads on there for an hour at a time, and it's just whatever side you fall politically is how. That is. So it's not news. What we do is local news. That is where, you know, our bread and butter is. It's about Hawaii. It's about the community. It's about what we are here. Mm-hmm. The difficult part of it is, you know, when people throw that term out there, fake news, we take it serious. You know, um, every story has two sides. Sometimes there's three sides. We try to get every side. There are times we can't and it makes it difficult. Um but we do our best to try to to be as balanced as possible. Is there ever a time when you're getting like those news stories or anything like that when you think it might be um, the fake news or it might be, um, how do I put it, um, perceived as being fake news and you guys just kind of avoid that story or do you guys try to tackle it head on? No, we try to tackle, on the local level, we try to tackle anything that, that we can take on, um, that, that we perceive is, is news. Mm-hmm. What, what I will say that we will do, and I can't, I can't talk for all news organizations. I can only talk for the one that I work for. I'm not afraid to hold a story until it's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and we have done that on a couple of occasions over the last couple of years where we've held the story a lot longer than our competition has because I didn't feel like it was ready. I didn't feel like we had all the sides to it and we needed a little bit more. Um, And so in a breaking news, um, you know, era where everybody wants to be first to Mm -hmm. get something out there, to me, it doesn't matter if you're first. Nobody remembers who was first. Everybody remembers who was right. And I would rather be right with our stories than first with our stories. Be first and then have to repair the damage if you've done something wrong. And I'll tell you, in in my own building, that's difficult because there are reporters and there are anchors that are itching to get stories onto the air Mm -hmm. that I'll pull back on and say, you know what, we're not ready yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've gotten into some heated arguments in my own office about you know, whether or not we should put a story on the air or not. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, the Kamehameha Schools uh, sex scandal uh, with Dr. Brown a couple years ago, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. We had that story roughly about a month ahead of time. Um, and one thing that we had done differently than I've ever done with any story is we brought all the parties in. We brought Kamehameha Schools in. We brought St. Francis in. We bought, we bought the defendants in and met with them all off the record ahead of time because we wanted to gather as much information about this story before we just put something out that was as damaging as that story was. So you guys are doing your own investigation just do, to try to get that information? A lot of the time we'll do our own investigations mm-hmm. ahead of time. That's like more traditional old school journalism, right? Like doing those investigations as opposed to what you see in modern cable news networks, how they're just like getting stuff on Twitter or something, Facebook, and just put it, putting it out there as news. It's like, sure. mm, no. Well, and I think the last couple of years, I mean, the last couple of years for us, we've we've dedicated a lot of time to investigative journalism. I moved Lynn Kawano off the anchor desk and, and made her our chief investigative reporter because she has that um, – tenacity she has that she she will go and dig on a story um and she makes sure that it's right and there's been a lot of those times over the last couple years with stories that she's brought me that we put on the air that i'm like are you sure you're right here because you know we're we're one story away from a lawsuit and um so we make sure that we do our best to make sure that it is as ironclad as possible before we put it on the air and so far she's been she's been pretty good on everything that she's done now you bring that up like you're one story away from a lawsuit and then you have like these cable news networks that just it seems like they don't care what they put out sometimes mm-hmm. are they like held up to the same kind of lawsuit standards that you guys are or is it I, something different like i think so but i think they have a lot deeper pockets than we have so they just don't care they just don't care sometimes <laughs> that's, that's horrible <laughs> and that, i think you know those those cable news networks they're the ones that are dividing the people and um, i agree with their opinions, like you said, you know, it's it's opinion based news. It's not even really news. You know, they well, they have news and then they give their opinions on sure. it. Sure. Look how it was four years ago. Four years ago, all Fox News did was hammer President Obama. Yes. At the end of his term, now you have MSNBC and CNN hammering President Trump. Yes. That's and that's all it's become. Yeah. That's all those networks have become. There's no more. There's no more news on those stations. It's all. Let's just get talking heads who will. Talk about what we want them to talk about. It's like, here's what happened today. This is our opinion on it. Yes. And then you switch websites to the other news network, and it's like, and here's it's the what exact happened today. Opposite. It's the exact same thing that happened today. 
here's what happened with sure. it. It's like, okay, what? Yeah. So you kind of have to watch both or all three to kind of get a full picture of it. And do you think like, do you think the American people are at that point where they're just like fed up with the two sided fake news kind of thing going on? I do. I do. And I think you're starting to see it in their ratings. I think you're starting to see like a CNN in particular is slipping, you know, uh, and, and we're an affiliate of CNN, but mm-hmm. their, their, their ratings have dove drastically. Um, I think people are getting tired of it. They don't, you know, uh, we've got to go through our daily lives and specifically here in Hawaii where it is difficult to live, you know, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's working multiple jobs. And last thing you want to come home to is, you know, garbage talk on television for an hour or two every night. And I think less and less people are starting to watch that. Yeah, because it starts to heat up the arguments inside the house. Yes. You know, and and emotions start running hot and people do get tired of that. You know, it was kind of exciting when it started to happen, you know, a few years ago. But now it's just like, you know, I turn that off. Yeah. Don't I, even don't even let that in the house. I, I certainly think the president has lent it to, lent to a lot of this in in his way that he deals with things, whether it's via Twitter or his press conferences or stuff like that. So these cable news networks are just feeding Mm -hmm. off that, whether they're for him or against him. Um, And it has, it's created a, you know, it's created a divide in the American audience, you know, to now you're literally, you're a conservative or, you know, you're, you're a liberal and it's like, okay, what side are you on? And you know, there's a lot of bickering and infighting. Yeah. It's like, what side are you on? If you're on the wrong side, I don't like you anymore. Kind of thing. It's like, I I have found, I have found the last few years, more and more people are not willing to say whether they're a Republican or a Democrat more so now than I've ever seen before. Yeah. And I think in the beginning, uh, when I say the beginning, I mean like a year or so ago when that started happening with people, like not wanting to admit whether they're Democrat, Republican, conservative, uh, or liberal. I look at it now, it's like, that's actually a good thing. Like hold that to yourself yeah, and just be a normal person dealing with normal people throughout your day. And just, you know, what you have in your mind is what you have in your mind and your opinions and, you know, your thoughts and everything like that. It doesn't make you who you are. You know, you can be a totally nice, nice person and be a Republican. You can be a complete asshole and be a Republican, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, well, being a Republican doesn't matter. It's, are you a nice person? Are you an asshole? Right. (laughs) Well, and it, and it's tough on a, on a state like Hawaii is it, it Mm -hmm. skews very democratic yet. I will tell you, I, I hear from almost every Republican in the state because They'll complain about our coverage, you know, one way or another. That's why I don't, I would rather us stick to local news rather than try to delve into more of the the national landscape. And there's more than enough local news to absolutely keep everyone is. busy. Yep. Speaking of uh, national news, how the Patriots doing? Um, We've had a couple of rough weeks. Um, <laughs> Just got a new, kicker. Um, got a new kicker from the from YouTube. They're still... <laughs> I think they cut them yesterday. Oh, they did. Yeah, already. Yeah. Um, I look. They're ten and three right now. Um, I think they've got uh, three easy games to wrap up the season. Um, they're going to end up thirteen and three, but they might be the worst thirteen and three team that I've ever seen. Um, they're in a good place though to make the playoffs. They're in a good place to make the playoffs. And what I've learned over the many years that I've been a Patriots fan is: do not, you know, um, don't. 
don't rule out Bill Belichick in any playoff game. No, never. Against anyone. Never. Because he is a genius and he will figure something out, you know. And so I I fully expect them to be there once again in the end. Yeah. Now, do you feel like um, being a uh, sports fan of um, – not not just a team, but like a geographical area because you're from the Northeast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Celtics, Patriots, Bruins, Bruins Red Sox, right? Um, so you're a hardcore fan, of hard hardcore, hard hardcore, hardcore. So much so that I I I purchase all the web streams to be able to continue to watch all the games cool. back here. <laughs> cool. Do you feel like the modern political climate? with Democrats, Republicans, conservative, liberal, is better or worse than hardcore sports fans like that and the the love and the hate that you guys get? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Compare and contrast. Good. I, I think the current political climate that mm-hmm. we're in right now, it's very close. Mm-hmm. It's very close. I think Republicans and Democrats are going at each other so hard now, it's, it's the same as the Red Sox and Yankees hatred. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I don't think we could have said that five or six years ago. Um, maybe, maybe some would have said we're, we're getting there, but right now, absolutely. I think the hatred is. Yeah. Cause is, you, the sports fans, you have like a lifelong hatred for other teams. Like, uh, with hockey, I'm a LA Kings fan yeah. for a long time when the, when the Vegas Knights came out, I, I decided to jump on board with the Vegas mm-hmm. Knights. I love, cause I lived in Vegas. Um, but I hate with a passion the San Jose Sharks. I hate them with a passion, almost to the point where I don't like the city of San Jose. Sorry, <laughs> I, I hate the New York Yankees. Uh-huh. I hate the New York Jets. I hate the Montreal Canadiens. You know, I mean, but it's almost like you know we should leave that at sports and not bring that into the political theater because, yeah, it, we Agreed. do. You do have to work together to get things done in a political spectrum. But sports is sports. You know, that's the area. That's the area where you can have your likes and dislikes and and it should stay have riots and stuff don't have riots people (laughs) don't do that yeah it it should stay there you know stay in your lane people if you want to hate people hate hate someone from hate sports hate sports teams from another city sports no it's nothing wrong you know support somebody support right i don't hate the people of new york or montreal i hate their teams i do hate the montreal canadians and i do hate the vancouver canucks I don't like the Vancouver Yeah, Canucks. I've never been a fan of the Vancouver Canucks. I was glad when we beat them in the Stanley Cup in 2011. Mm. Oh, yeah, Tim Thomas with the Bruins. Yep. Yes, that was great. Tim Thomas just came out because um, he retired from the Bruins, yeah. right? Tim Thomas yep. was a goalie for the Bruins, and he just came out um, in the news, I think yesterday, the day before, saying that uh, one of the reasons he retired so suddenly is because of uh, concussions. Yeah. And... Everybody's like, you're a goalie. What are you talking about? It's like, no, you take cracks of the head oh, a lot. Yeah. You know, you know con- that full well. Yeah. So concussions are like a huge thing that um, I think people nowadays are becoming more and more aware of that. Well, it's changing the landscape of sports, especially in the more violent sports like uh, like football. Um, you know, the NFL is doing everything that they can at this point to try and cut down on those numbers. The surprising one to me, though, which I didn't know until my son started playing it, soccer. Absolutely. Tons of concussions. And I keep saying that to people, to parents and stuff. I'm like, you're bouncing a ball in your kid's head like every day, all the time. Because they, you know, one of the teams, um, one of the club teams that my kid was going to sign up for, like they wanted to practice headers all the time. Like every day for like 
15 minutes, you should practice headers. It's like, that's a lot of impacts to your head. Yeah. Like you're talking thousands of impacts a year to your head. Minor impacts, small. Yeah, it's a it's a soft ball, you know. But sometimes when that you know when they're getting older, you see the ball get kicked up high into the yeah. air and it's coming down, and then they're jumping up to meet it and heading it. It's like, yeah. Well, the amazing thing now is there's a focus on it. Good. I mean, remember when we were kids? I mean, there wasn't that much focus on concussions. It was. You got hit hard. You got your bell ring. You got a little smelling salt, and it was like get right back in there. Yeah. You know now there's concussion protocols, and you know they'll keep you out of games and stuff like that. There yeah. wasn't any of that 20 years ago. Nope. It's a very different. It's a very different climate now. Mm-hmm. All for the better. I, I mean, I absolutely. It's absolutely for the better. You know, and take care of the kids and their heads because their heads are so valuable. In this modern day of a high volume of social media whether it be YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, how is the news ta- um, tackling all of that? It's almost of an influx of too much information sure. coming to the public. Do you guys follow that? Do you guys disseminate that? Do you guys have special um, just designated people that just go on Twitter and Instagram and try to pull stuff? Like, yeah, how, do, do, how do you guys do that? We do have designated people that that handle social media and our, and our website and stuff like that. Um, you know, I would I would say in the um, in the last ten years, my business has dramatically changed. We are no longer a television station; we are a multimedia station. Um, it it really it, it it's about how people are consuming news de- mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, this device right here is how most people are getting their news. Yes, I think there's you know a lot of people still sit down, especially in Hawaii. A lot of people still sit down and will watch the five, six, and ten o'clock news. More so in this state we've seen than a lot of other states. But they're consuming news, whether it's on their laptop computer or on their mobile device, all day long. So we've had to change our focus from, you know, the way it used to work was a reporter would have an entire day to put a story together and then you'd see it on the 5 or 6 o'clock news. Mm -hmm. Now they're working on that story immediately. There's a story up online by a certain time each day. There's a story, you know, they're they're teasing their story on social media. And by the time it airs at five and six o'clock, a lot of people already know some of the information that's in that story. So they've got to be able to give them different nuggets. Um, an example is on an average day, we get about 80 to 100,000 people watching an individual newscast. So... We've had to shift our reporters' mindsets, which has not been easy. When 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 I started telling them I wanted their stuff done on digital first, their their mindset needed to change because they've always been programmed to okay, I got to get my story ready for the five o'clock news. Well, if you've got eighty to one hundred thousand people watching that five o'clock news, multiply that by five that will see their story on our digital platform, whether it be on our website or on our Facebook page or on our OTT platforms. So they had to literally reshift their mindset of, I now have to do digital first because that's where our consumers are. And then TV second, which has been a real big change for how we've operated for years. Yeah. Now, when you guys are doing TV stuff, you guys have... um editors and guys you know you have you know a news director like yourself do you guys vet the news first when it, before it goes on tv you guys do right we always vet the news yeah. so how has that changed with uh, social media when people want the news now 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 
A lot of the stuff that you're seeing on social media becomes is the breaking news. That's the stuff that we try to get out there immediately. It's still vetted, but it's it's information that's happening as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that goes out on television, there are a lot of eyes that see those stories before they they hit air and before they're complete. And on the digital side as well. So if a reporter is writing a story for digital, it will go through two or three sets of eyes before it ends up on the website. Okay, okay. So how does news media or like the local news keep from being blockbuster? Keep from being block. What do you mean? Compared to Netflix. In this coming digital age where oh, okay. people are less and less inclined to sit at the TV at 6 o'clock in the evening or 5 a.m. in the morning or whenever your times are and actually watch the, sit down and watch the news because sure. their bi- lives are busier. And like you said, we have these devices where we can get that news sure. quickly so we don't necessarily have to sit there. Mm-hmm. And watch sure, the news. I'm not sure you can stop that. I think, um, you know, streaming has changed uh, the way people's lives work. I will, I will tell you, I think a lot of our news, you know, especially in the 10 o'clock, I do it myself. Um, I DVR it. And so I'm watching whatever shows I'm watching during the night. And then I'll go back and watch our 10 o'clock news at 11 or 12 o'clock before I go to bed. Um, but we also stream all of our news so we stream all of our news on all of our platforms so that way there those that want it can still get it in live time if they're if they've gotten away from the traditional cable or satellite providers it's still there for them so you've gone from you've gone from just a few years ago we had tv Mm -hmm. okay in the last decade or so maybe a little bit more now you have a website now you have a youtube channel now you have an Instagram page. Now you have a Facebook page. Now you have um, Twitter. I mean, so there are what was one before, which was just television that we mm-hmm. all operated on. Now there's seven or eight different ways that people can get news from. Mm-hmm. Are you guys finding that um, things like when a blackout happens? Mm-hmm. People want to know exactly now what caused that blackout. Like, are people coming to news stations and wanting that and complaining that they didn't get the news fast enough? Sure. Have you seen that? Sure, we've seen that from time to time. Like, I mean, what happened? Like, because last week they had a blackout, um, and then I think earlier this week AT and T had a blackout, or AT and T wasn't working for like an hour. Sure. And people, yeah, um, that's right. Uh, last uh, on Tuesday, yeah, AT&T users weren't able to call nine one one. Like their phones were bricks; yep. they weren't doing anything. Um, do people yeah. want to know? Like, hey, they want to know how what happened. They want to know, and Are we being they attacked. Wanna, they want to know, and they want to know it on their time, not when yeah. it takes us to get it, which is hard. But yeah. um, you know, look, let's go back to uh, January of twenty eighteen. You know. Um, we all woke up that morning when the phones started going off that mm-hmm. there was, you know, a ballistic missile heading towards Hawaii. Yeah. You know, it took us 12 minutes to get a, um, to get an alert sent out that said that it wasn't, you know, that it was, you know, a false alarm. But that was 12 scary minutes, you yep. know. I mean, and for everyone that day, it was, you know, and, and, Everyone wanted to know. And then so immediately the first the first alert that comes out was, okay, you know, all right, we're there's no mm-hmm. and then it was why. Mm-hmm. Why 
you know, why did we get this message? And it's like, okay, we need to start gathering that information and get that information as quickly as possible. And it's, you know, so yes, news consumers want it. They want it on their time and they want it sent to them as quickly as possible. It is very different than driving home from work at five o'clock, eating dinner, sitting down with the family and watching the news of the day. Now people want it instantly. Yeah, because that doesn't happen all that often anymore where you're sitting down as a family watching the news or anything like that. Very very rare. I mean, one thing is you're getting your news on different outlets also, but there's so much entertainment content out there and streaming services, and we just got Disney Plus now, so it's like, why watch the news? We uh, Yeah, I I saw what happened on the news online, and why do I have to sit down and watch it when I can watch, you know, The Mandalorian? It's Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, so that's that's competition for us yeah. is to make sure that we continue to find the news consumer where they are, when they are, and get it to them. So that's why we're opening up different avenues, whether it's with Facebook Lives or with podcasts or with, um, you know, streaming our newscasts, because we're trying to find the consumer where they are. They're no longer TV viewers, they're news consumers, and we've We've just got to be where they are to keep them informed. It's so hard. There's so many things. I mean, now you got apps like TikTok. It's like, are you going to start going on TikTok? It's You're like, battling everything. You're battling everything. And then as soon as you get and grasp like one app or one avenue of social media, another one pops up. And it's no, just like, that, what? That's a great exa- that's a great that's that's a great point. I mean, just a couple of years ago, we invested so much in Facebook and it was it was about building likes and building a fan base on Facebook and getting our news out on Facebook. And then it was like, okay, now we got to get to Instagram. And before that it was Twitter and mm-hmm. now it's OTT. And, you know, we've got a, we've got a channel on Roku and Amazon fire and, you know, it's, we're constantly, and, and tomorrow there'll be something completely new that we'll, we'll get into that realm and, and we'll have to figure out, okay, how do we tackle this one? The great part of it, it allows us to keep creating, which is the part of the job that I love being innovative and being, you know, able to say, okay, we've came up, we've come up with something new. We're here. We are offering Hawaii something that's completely new. And we're finding a new group of people that, you know, are consuming our news. I think one of the things that you got to look at now is you've got, you've got the older population that tend to stay with television that's how they came up that's where they want to be you've got the the middle-aged folks which are okay it's tv and you know i'm getting it on my phone Mm -hmm. and then it's the millennial folks that you know they're not watching tv at all they don't have cable they're streaming everything and you've got to figure out okay now it's instagram and stuff to get them their news Mm -hmm. and that's where they want it so it's and that's why I have a wide variety of people from all different age groups in the newsroom because we've got to try and meet the needs of everyone, not just one select group. So you find yourself doing different kinds of um, outlets based on the generational audience. Yeah, I mean, I think you do. I think you we know where the different groups are. Yep. So we just got to tackle them differently. I've got a younger kid in my newsroom who's tackling Instagram TV because that's his generation and he knows that's where they want to go. I've got a group that's very good at Facebook. And so they're, they've hammered away at Facebook. I mean, in 10 years time, Facebook, we've gone from zero likes to over a million likes. That's more than a million people that are following our news stream in one way or another. And there's a very large portion of it that's not from Hawaii mm-hmm. because this is a destination place and people want to know what's going on here. 
And then there's there's another group that handles the TV side of things and handles the TV news. But we're we've got to touch all these different platforms every single day. Yeah, and I think that's I think when you bring that up, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to start a podcast here in Hawaii because I just I didn't feel like it was this kind of talking story with people. Uh, was being covered here in Hawaii. It wasn't happening. I couldn't find anything like this on podcast streams or on uh, YouTube or anything like that. And so I was like, hey, this is a little niche that uh, maybe is not being filled. So let's try it. And um, like you said, it's hard to get viewers. It's hard to get um, people connected and wanting to know what your what your message is. Um, and it's hard to retain that because there's so much other information out there. There's so many other channels. There's so many other you know, news media outlets that are, mm-hmm. that are easily getting the same information you guys are, or, or that I am. And uh, it's hard to put that out there. So you try to find anything different. So is there anything that you guys are doing differently that the other news agencies are doing or aren't, aren't doing? I don't know if it's differently. Um, I feel like we do it better. Um, that's my competitive side. Um, we're always trying new stuff. Um, you know, you talk about podcasts and, and, and how you've started this one. We've started podcasts now because we feel like there, there are way, different ways that we can reach viewers. I look at podcasts. I don't listen to radio on my, you know, I, I have a 45 minute to an hour commute every day from Mililani um, to get into the station. I don't, I haven't listened to traditional radio in probably 10 years. Um, one, I don't think that there's anything on there that I want to listen to. I like listening to podcasts and, you know, I listen to Howard Stern on satellite radio. So that's, you know, and so, and I think there are a lot more people now that are doing the exact same thing that are listening to podcasts on the way in. So if we can offer them news that they can get their news on their ride in in the morning, even if it's in just a five minute, you know, clip, we'll do that. Now I've got one of my reporters, uh, Jim Mendoza, who's been in the business for, 30 plus years. He's one of the best reporters that I've ever seen in this town. And he's told some incredible stories over the last 30 years. Jim is doing a podcast on some of the best stories that he's ever done because he does. Jim's one of those guys where, you know, people, I, I hear this all the time. When are you ever going to tell some good news? All I ever see on your newscast is bad news. Well, then you're not watching Jim's stories because that's what Jim does. He's He's like Hawaii's Steve Hartman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing, he's finding those good stories. Now, is he going to be doing new content or are they taking his old content that he's already done and has been recorded and making that a podcast? Well, what they're doing is they're taking bits of his mm-hmm. old content and he's talking about why he did certain stories mm-hmm. and what he got out of certain stories nice. um, on them. He's done a couple of episodes so far. We've got a new um, podcast that's also a, a, a Facebook Live every day called um, This Is Now, where um, mm-hmm. Ashley Nagaoka and one of my producers, Jonathan Sapi, is they're doing about a 20 minute. Um, it's really a newscast um, for people every day at 1130 that goes on Facebook Live, and then we post it to podcast as well. So it's, it's just giving people different places that we are that they can find Hawaii News Now. Very cool. Because you need to do that. And I think, are other news agencies not doing that kind of thing? That kind of podcast with the Hawaii News Now? Um, uh, did you call it Hawaii Now? It's, it, it's a, uh, we have a Hawaii News Now podcast page. Okay. And then um, This Is Now is one of our shows this is that's now. on it. Um, I've seen that. Others are dipping their toe into it. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just, I think we're a little further along. Good. 
Got to be ahead of the game, man. I think the most important thing for us in my business, you have to be relevant and we have to be relevant every day. I mean, it's the only way that people are going to keep coming to us and keep paying attention to the things that we're doing. And that's what we try to do every day is stay relevant on whatever platform that we're on. Now, talking about relevancy, it's like the newspaper, like it's slowly but surely becoming irrelevant to the point where my kids aren't going to read the newspaper. No, they're just. They're not going to go buy a newspaper and read the paper. It's just not. I don't read the newspaper. I'm 48 I don't read the years newspaper. old and I don't read the newspaper. Now, I will read them online, but I don't mm-hmm. actually pick up, physically pick up a newspaper. I haven't in, in a right. bunch of years. But it's like online. It's not the newspaper anymore. It's it's, it's true. It's just another news agency putting out uh, yeah. journalistic content, yeah. right? So what's the difference between, you know, the news uh, a newspaper agency putting it out on, uh, on an online platform versus um, – a local news network putting it out on news network. Well, I guess one of the big Honestly, things is it's who you trust the most is as far as going to it and reading it. But yeah. I think all newspapers across the country are fighting this battle right now. Well, I think what you what you have there is you have the newspapers that don't have like the face and the voice. They're not doing the video content True. that the the cable news networks and the news the local news networks already have pat down. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference with the modern um social media and our modern societies, they want to watch somebody talk to them. They don't want to look at something yeah. necessarily and scroll through reading page by page, all of that information. Well, I think the other thing is we're, it's a rat race out there totally. and your people's time is limited. And so you've got to, nobody wants to read a long column in a newspaper anymore. They want to be able to get it. And if you can give it to me in a minute and a half, and I feel like you've given me the entire story, that's what I want. Nice. Exactly my thoughts. What makes Hawaii's news now? What separates you guys from the competition here in Hawaii? Or what makes you guys different? Um, I think, look, I, I think uh, a lot of the stories are similar. If you look at newscasts each night, you know, um, you'll see similar stories on the newscasts. I think where we're different than everyone else is, you know, we have people in our newsroom that are very passionate about this place, both on camera and off camera. Um, Every single on-air personality that I have has a tie to Hawaii some way or another. Um, I've got someone from every island except for Lanai. So when they're telling those stories, those stories are deeply passionate to them. They're they're community-based. All of my on-air talent are involved in the community one way or another. They all have different causes and and different things. If you go to events all throughout the year, there's someone from Hawaii who's now, you know, in the community all the time. So it's 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 deep for them. It's it's it means something to them. And I think as we we look at the stories that we tell every day, it's about this place and about, you know, how you know, you know we've got to tell the stories of Hawaii whether it's you know, why is it so difficult to live here? Why, you know, why are people being priced out? We're trying to tell those stories. Why is there so much homelessness on the streets? I mean, we're trying to tell those stories because it matters to the people in our newsroom. And I think that's what kind of differentiates us a little bit from the competition because some of those folks, you know, they're only here for a pit stop and they're here for a couple of years. So you really don't get, you know, that deep. I would I, I can say this with confidence. Every single on-air personality that I have in my newsroom could work someplace else. They choose to live here. They choose to be here, and they choose to work in this community because it matters to them. And that's just a huge advantage when you have people that are passionate about the project, passionate about the job that they do, 
They're going to love doing it. They're going to love doing it. I think people talk to them more. Um, you know, it opens up doors to different stories and, and it opens up doors in certain things that they're doing because people are willing to talk to them more because they feel like they know them. They feel like um, sun, Sunrise, for example, I, I'm, I, I am proud to say that Sunrise has been on the air for 12 years now. Um, I started it back in 2007. Um, and when I was putting Sunrise together, I had one goal in mind, and that was to give people of Hawaii a reason to wake up in the morning. And so when we were when we were looking at how we were going to do the show, okay, you, you could be very formulaic and put together a news program that did last night's news and, you know, weather and traffic. Those are the staples of, of morning news. But then the other thing became we needed personalities. We needed people that you liked, people that you felt comfortable with. And you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to watch these folks. So those were the type of people that we went out and found. You know, I mean, Steve Uihara is the local boy from Mililani, as wholesome as can be. And, you know, people love that about him. People love that he's from here and he's part of the community and he's, you know, and so it becomes easy to wake up in the morning to watch Steve or Guy for, for that matter. And so that's how we look at going about things. Um, yesterday, um, I lost a, a great anchor. Sean Ching um, called it quits. Um, and he didn't call it quits because the business was, he was tired of the business or, you know, um, um, he did it because um, he's a new dad um, and uh, his, his, and, and it's been well documented and written about his, his wife and his child went through some complications and he just decided I need to be more part of my family than than doing the news and i completely supported that 100 percent. we all did at the station and it's sad to see him go because he was a great colleague he was a great guy to work with but everyone supported it because it was important so now my job is to go find that next person that's going to sit next to stephanie in the five o'clock news i can tell you right now i'm looking at someone who has ties to hawaii who went off to the mainland did their tour there and maybe wants to come back because they've always wanted to come back at some point. I'm looking for someone who has a tie to Hawaii, not just anyone to put in that seat. Now, when you bring up like uh, you're looking for, for new, for new blood and stuff, how does someone who's maybe, you know, has some sort of interest in being on the newscast or has an interest in being a journalist or anything like that, how do they get involved with news here in Hawaii? Um, Okay, there's a there's a couple of different ways. Um, <clears throat> it's it's what I've found over the last couple of years, especially in the recruiting game, is why it's become very difficult to recruit too. Um, there are not many journalists locally here that want to come work for us because they're just not being homegrown anymore. That then it leads me to I, I've got to start looking for people on the mainland and stuff like that and. You know, this is not the easiest place to come to. One, you know, um, our cost of living is, you know, the same as San Francisco and New York, yet we can't pay those amounts as much as we'd like to. We, we, do, a, we do the best that we can do, but it's difficult. Um, and so you're trying to allure someone to come to Hawaii. And that part is easy because, you know, the beaches, the sun, it's that's the easy part. Once they get here, what I've found is, you know, and this happened to myself. I mean, luckily, 
you know, I married a local girl, so that my transition was a whole lot easier coming here. But if you're coming from the mainland and you've never been to Hawaii before, you know, either you love this place and you dive into it or six months from now, you've got rock fever and you can't you can't wait to get out of here. So, you know, when recruiting, we're really looking for those people that, OK, they're in it for the long haul. How do you get into the business? The question that gets asked to me all the time. Um, do you need to have a journalism degree? I think that's that helps, but I'm looking for smart people. Um, we can teach you the journalism side, and there's not always it's not always just about journalism. There's there's a lot of different facets to our operation, whether you know you're a photographer, or an editor, or there's you know we can teach. I'm looking for smart people who've got ideas, who are innovative. You come to me with that, and we'll find a we'll find a place for you. Um, the best way for young journalists to get in the door is get an internship. You know that's how I started in this business almost twenty six years ago. You know I got myself an internship, and I stayed at that internship till they finally gave me a job because I just wouldn't leave the damn internship. And do you guys offer inter internships? We do offer internships, and. You know, um, is that just at the college level or above or high school level also? It's at it's at the college level. We have dabbled a little bit in the high school level. The problem is, you know, um, because of state laws, we can't, you know, um, you, you've got to it's either got to be for credit or we have to pay you because, you know, people just can't work for free like I did 26 years ago and just kept showing up every day because mm -hmm. I wanted to be in the business. So, um we do it for we do it for college credit, um, and so we see an influx in interns in the summertime. Uh, that's when everybody's home from break and stuff like that. We're working with UH to try and get more interns in in the room. I would love to see you know a whole bunch of them every single day. We've got a couple that are working right now, but that's the best way. First off, that's on the job training as mm -hmm. soon as you walk in the door. Work walk in the door. Secondly. And this is the most important thing for for prospective journalists who are trying to figure out, you know, how to get into this business. Get in there and dive into it. Are you getting paid? No. Are you, you know, are you getting credit for school? Yes. You know, but take advantage of you're in a newsroom, you're in that environment. Mm -hmm. Ask questions, you know, become known in the room. A lot of the folks that I've hired are former interns in our room because when they left their internship, we knew who they were because they showed up on time. They they took on more shifts. They wanted to be part of it. So we treat our interns like they are employees. We've got them, you know, no, it gone to the days of go get coffee and pick up the dry cleaning. You're you're actively in, you know, we once once we feel like you're ready, we'll send interns out to do interviews and you know to help gather facts for stories and stuff like that. We want them to be a part of the operation so that you know, when your internship's over in a couple of months and you're starting to look for that first job and you put your resume on my desk, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, him or her. And it's like they were great. If we've got a position, let's figure out a way to get them into this room. Should they leave out on those resumes whether or not they're a Yankees fan or not? <laughs> well, that would help. <laughs> <laughs> not a Yankees fan. <laughs> Pats forever. Yeah. <laughs> That always helps, right? Yeah, you know, it always that that helps. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Yeah, because I would like to see you know the local news stay local. You know, yes. I think local people in general just want to see a local face, local voice. You know, when they're 
when they're turning on the television or when they're going on their new social media devices, looking yeah. at stuff. They want to see that um, the stuff at the national level stays there yeah. and the stuff at the local level stays local. I and would, we can tell. We can I, tell if you're not local. You know, you I, I want to recruit people from Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the problem is, you know, it's a small pond out there totally. right now and there's not a lot of fish in it and mm -hmm. we're we're not we're not seeing that locally so that's why we've got to go to the mainland sometimes mm -hmm. and you know look I, i'm from the mainland but i've been here 17 years I, I want people you know who are in journalism school at uh and and want to stay at home and want you know to find their way to the business there's no better way than with wine is now and mm -hmm. and getting your first job in journalism here and that's also happening with like the the short of recruitment with the police department here. You know, they just announced yesterday that they're opening up lateral um, applicants to um, officers across the country. If they're already police officers, you can apply and we'll go through a transition process so that you can skip the academy. Maybe just go through a stunted mm -hmm. um, version of it, but come into the police department um, a lot quicker. And that and wasn't the case just a couple of years ago, right? It Absolutely was, not. Yeah. This is brand new. Uh, the Honolulu Police Department has never done a lateral transfer as far as I know. Wow. Yeah, and I saw the other day, I think we reported that there's about 250 openings right now in, mm -hmm. in the police department. That's, it, a, it's that's always, a big hole. It's always been a big hole. Um, we haven't actually filled that hole with the recruitment that we're doing. And it's solely because it's hard to find qualified recruits and qualified applicants to, you know, pass all the tests and pass the background investigations and whatnot, and then want to do the job, you know, once you get there, cause it's not an easy yeah. job. Yeah. You know, even just going through the academy, it's not easy. It's not something that the normal college kid has gone through. Do, do, do you see parallels? Do other police departments have the same issues on the mainland as that, that we're having here? Or is it again, because we're an Island state 2,500 miles away from everyone that, trying to draw someone here is a little bit different. It's it's a lot easier if you're a, you know, police recruit in Oklahoma and you can't get a job in Oklahoma, but you go up to Colorado and you can get a job there. It's a lot different when you've got to come across the Pacific. It's a lot different. And um, here in Hawaii, um, our department is one of the only departments that will allow a non-U.S. citizen mm -hmm. to be a sworn officer. Most states, you have to be a U.S. citizen to even apply, mm. you know, they won't, they won't even let you, um, uh, go through the process if you're not a citizen yet. Wow. So here in Hawaii, that's, 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 you know, one, one avenue that, uh, we're looking at with, um, bringing in recruits. It's not just from across the country. It's from other places around the world. Um, as for other departments around the country, I, I know they have recruiting recruiting issues because they're pulling officers from Hawaii yeah. to go over there because they know um, Honolulu officers, especially, have been well trained yeah. and have gone through the process and know what they're doing most of the time. And uh, so, when they're getting an applicant from the Honolulu PD, um, they know that they're getting someone that's you know a quality, high quality, a quality worker who's been highly trained. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I think that hurts, um, us here though. You know, I, I think it's well known that the cost of living in Hawaii is high. Sure. So bringing in recruits from outside, it's, it's, it's hard because they have to move here to a place that's completely foreign to them that they can't just drive away. Yep. They can't pick up and move to another town or yep. anything like that. They're stuck here on this rock if they do come here. And then you have the local, um, uh, population that's just 
whether they're not interested in getting a job like this or they're just not qualified to because of their level of education. They can't, you know, they just can't pass the test and, and stuff like that. Um, the numbers have dwindled. Yeah. You know, from the time when I got in, you know, over 16 years ago, you know, we used to go and take the test and there would be thousands of people taking the test and now it's hundreds. Yeah. You know, it's not, you don't have a ton of people trying to get in anymore. No. And, 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 and you're absolutely right. The cost of living is just killing us here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, literally we are pricing people out of paradise that, you know, and we're seeing the influx that they're moving to the mainland because it's cheaper. Las Vegas, for example, is, is getting yeah. a lot of Hawaii transplants. I mean, they always have, but now I think more so now mm -hmm. than ever. I think um, the mayor was saying the other day that this might be the second year in a row that there's, you know, uh, the growth is, is gone down. I mean, it, it's, it's not positive and, you know, um, and that's, you know, we're seeing more homeless people in the streets, um, you know, and, and, and homeless has been a big issue for us for the last couple of years. And we've really kind of banged away at it. But, you know, I, we had someone told my boss the other day, you know, stopped them in the grocery store and said, you know, all, all that stuff you've done on homeless, it hasn't changed it one bit. And, you know, while I think we've shed a light on something that's, you know, a problem in our society, he may be right in the sense of there may be more homeless people on the street now than there ever was four years ago. There um, is, yeah. You know, so. and it's it's because of how difficult it is to live here. And so, you know, when we were talking, you know, off camera a little while ago, I, I've got two kids, both teenagers, one getting ready to go off to college. And it's like, can he even... You know, once those four years are over, can he even, you know, attempt to come back here and be able to live? Well, he better have a really good job to be able to live here and mm -hmm. be able to withstand a lifestyle that he's become accustomed to growing up. And and that's it's just not easy. But he's going to have to move back in with mom and dad. Like he's not going to be able and to come back here, get a job and get his own apartment and place and everything like that. It's just right. too expensive to do that for someone starting out right out of college. You're absolutely right. There's so many people on this island that are multi-generational families, you know, yeah. because they can't afford their own home yeah. or place to, you know, or, or a condo or an apartment. I mean, an apartment building, you know, outside of Honolulu will cost you $2,500, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, and and I, I I love I love the the quote that always comes up and 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 we do it in the news all the time is you know we need more affordable housing. You know what I need somebody to do? I need somebody in this town to tell me what affordable housing is because I'll tell you right now, four hundred thousand dollars in Kakaako is not affordable housing for, you know? for like a one bedroom. Yeah, it's like, I mean, who's so, that affordable to? Right, it needs to be deemed what affordable actually is for the people that need the housing right now, and four hundred grand is not affordable. It's not going to cut it. And that's just going to exasperate uh, exasperate the the homeless issue, you know, because if if people can't afford to live here, and I mean the jobs are there, you know, people can get jobs too. Mm -hmm. um, but even the the jobs, like the the minimum wage and stuff, that's not enough to mm. to support, you know, to support any any type of living here. Ten ten an hour is going to get you about twenty seven thousand dollars a year. I mean, you know, you're going to need three of those jobs to be able to right. You know, I, the 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 medium income I think in Hawaii right now is about sixty seven thousand for a household. It's about ninety eight thousand. That doesn't go a long way. No. You know, when you're paying a mortgage and you're paying all your bills and you're paying your kids' education and stuff like that, it doesn't go far. No.